Happy New Year. Feliz Dia de los Reyes to all my Hispanics this coming weekend. Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, as always, New Year, New Money, Small Town EP, coming to you live from the chitty city of Atlanta. In a week where David Tepper loses his temper, R.J. Barrett on a plane back home alongside IQ, and the Georgia Bulldogs put belt to Florida State Seminole ass. ATS is back to give you the real in sports top of the year. This evening, I'm joined by future father-to-be very soon, Kev, Big Kev. Welcome back. How you doing, man? Happy New Year. I'm good. I'm good. I had to reposition the uh, the camera because there's so much baby stuff in the room right now. So happy love New to Year hear to everybody. Uh, yeah. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Heat in five himself. See you soon, June. Wait, Julian. Like I always call him, call him everything but late for dinner. Live to you, live coming from New York City. How's the New Year treating you, buddy? New Year's treating me well, man. A lot of good energy. And uh, it's good to see you guys back, you know, in our uh, studio, if you will. I yeah. miss you guys, and, and I'm ready to I'm ready to take over this this next year. So what's let's up? Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's fucking get it. All right, a lot of things I mentioned real quick. David Tepper losing his temper, throwing some drinks on some fans. If you don't know who David Tepper is, he is the owner of the Carolina Panthers. He was fined, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 300 M's. On Unsportsmanlike today, they did the comparison. It's about $1.73. So it's like they'll find him a cup of coffee because this guy don't got M's. He got B's. Very um, symbolic as to how the Carolina Panthers season is going. June, is David Tepper out of there as owner? I know he's, you know, he's, he's owner and top dog, but like there was reports early on in the year. Frank Reich was saying he's an interesting owner to, 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 to work with, which honestly is crazy to say on camera if you ask me there's reports that frank reich let out that he's david tepper is very into oh i want to make sure like what plays you're calling and he wants to be a little more involved in football operations when he really just needs to sit back on the team and you know stack some bread does the carolina woes start at the top yeah so First off, I think you said 300 M's. He fined him. I'm not sure if you did, but it was like 300 grand. I could be wrong if I misheard you, but um, yeah, 300 $300,000 is is chump change to a guy like David Tepper. Um, to answer your question, I, I do think that Carolina would be better suited under new ownership. I don't think that that's going to happen. He's a big fan uh, first. He loves football. You know, he loves his team. And um yeah, like you said, he's at the top. So it's really going to be uh, a his decision type of thing. He's not an owner uh, like, you know, the son's old owner where, you know, you got people in the crowd saying sell the team, sell the team or anything like that. Um, the Panthers aren't a historically bad franchise. So, you know, I wouldn't look at this incident as something that's like the last straw or anything like that. I do believe that the NFL should hand down uh, – maybe a heftier suspension or, you know, some sort of heftier consequence to this. Uh, I think it's totally unacceptable for a player, a, a, a owner, a front office member, a coach, or anything of that matter from a franchise um, to interact with fans that way where you're throwing drinks at them um, and vice versa. You know, 
players hate when fans turn things into physical or you know get in their way or touch them things of that nature i think the same sentiment is shared from the fans point of view where i mean i could talk all the shit i want your team's you know won one or two games this year i understand you're frustrated that's probably why i'm talking more shit that does not give you the excuse to you know throw a drink at me you know assault me you know anything like that so good for the fan i think the fan probably already got a uh a settlement check from the nfl but um if not go get your bread but no i i don't think david tepper's out i do think he he probably could go about things a little better as far as how he runs his franchise and you know the coaches he hires <laughs> and uh his i guess involvement in everything could be a little a little bit less however hey i mean it, it is his team he does you know have the right to to treat it as such um and we're not talking about how you know he um you know committed any type of crime or anything like that so he just kind of lost his temper as you said and and it's just something that i think the nfl should make an example out of him as an owner where there's no place for that in this game um, just because you do have billions of dollars doesn't mean you can, you know, treat the fans that are feeding your pockets any which way. Kev, you got some thoughts on that one? Um, no, I just thought it was funny when you said about he didn't commit a crime. The first thing I thought was, well, his crime was telling his coach to draft Bryce Young over CJ Stroud. So um, that's, but, you know, I mean, uh, I think we see, like you said, I think you said players uh, have gotten fined more for, you know, or not, maybe not more, but to find someone of that stature, 300 grand for uh, doing something like that to where you probably did have to compensate the fans something. Like if I'm getting a drink thrown at, if I get a drink thrown on me by an owner at an NFL game, um <laughs> I'm getting field access for the rest of my life. I'm getting something really nice out of it. Uh, so yeah, it's up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I'm getting a podcast something, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but yeah, the podcast just, is crazy. <laughs> you just, you, you can't do it uh, as an owner, just the same way you said uh, players expect fans not to uh, touch them or get physical or throw things at them as an owner. You can't throw, drinks at fans that's it should be common knowledge and i think he should have gotten at least a million dollar fine if he didn't get uh something more than that already yeah no, it was definitely 300 grand thank you for correcting me june um yeah that's that's a that's a, that's a cup of coffee all right you know and I, get, I get coffee for free at work so that's that'll, that'll say a lot about that right this playoff picture, gentlemen. I don't know if you want to get into superlatives first, June, or you want to get into some playoff, uh, playoff let's talk, narratives. Let's talk, let's talk what real. Let's talk what really matters, man. Week eighteen is going to be a special week. We got some guys sitting out and everything, but man, like you said, we we got some playoff implications this week. Let us know. Interesting that you talk about players sitting out this week, and the first game that I want to jump into is a game where the best team in the league at this point is playing a division rival. And there's so many players sitting out for Baltimore this week that Pittsburgh is a minus four favorite on the road in Baltimore. 
Baltimore doesn't really have anything to play for. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, needs, if I'm not mistaken, to win and some help. June, I got a question for you. Are you buying the Steelers making it into the playoffs this last week? You know, the Steelers are in a funny spot. I don't I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. They need more help than just win and they're in. Am I correct? Or do they win and they're in? I believe they need help. Yeah. Okay. They do so, need help. Yeah. So and I think one of those on things the, is the Colts losing based on head to head records. Exactly. Well, for that matter, no, I don't believe in the Steelers. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, if it was something where they could win and they're in and they're in a position right now where they're going to be playing against the backups in Baltimore, of course, I'd have some faith. Um, this team is a is an over 500 team. We don't know which Steelers team we're going to get week in and week out, which George Pickens is going to show up on the field. Um, and with that level of uncertainty, it it leads me to not have as much faith in them, even though the Ravens are going to start their backups. Um, I've seen Tyler Huntley go into road games, home games, and come out victorious week in and week out. He did. He was doing that just last year. So um, I don't think this is going to be any type of easy game for Pittsburgh. I think they've got their work cut out for them um, as far as their playoff hopes go. Uh, they're going to have to handle business versus the Ravens and then hope that, you know, they get lucky as far as another AFC team like the Colts or the Bills uh, take a loss. Do I think all of that happens for them? No. Easy answer. And the Jags, as if I'm not mistaken, would need to lose to the fraudulent Tennessee fraud, Fridens, is what I'm going to call them from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Fraudens. Um, so... I kind of agree with you there. Kev, what you thinking? Uh, as far as the Steelers, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I do I do love that Mike Tomlin did secure his uh, 17th winning season, no losing seasons ever in his career. So uh, I'm, I always root for him to at least get there because uh, I think that's a really cool statistic, you know, for uh, just for as an NFL fan. Um, so I'm glad to see he got there, but I don't think they, they need too much to go their way. They need, uh, I think no matter who wins that, um, Colts game, I think they still need, cause I think both of them have a tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. So I think they still need Jacksonville and Buffalo to lose. And I don't think that happens. So do you guys think that that, stat that I don't say stat that achievement that Mike Tomlin has is look I'm not a football player I didn't play football in any of my collegiate days or educational days for that matter (laughs) I guess I don't think I think collegiate implies you went to call anyway um I didn't play football I'm not a football player I understand that it's probably very hard to have an above 500 record for 17 straight seasons is this achievement overrated and is it fair for certain Steelers fans to be calling for Mike Tomlin's head June? I I don't believe it's fair for them to call for Mike Tomlin's head. I do think it's it's not an overrated achievement. I mean, not every team goes over 500 every year. If that was something, you know, that was overrated, I don't think we'd rave about how Mike Tomlin is able to do this year in and year out no matter what quarterback he has on the field or what kind of drama is going on in the locker room. Um, 
the Steelers as an organization historically obviously strive for championships and and playoff appearances. Going over 500 isn't, you know, just what makes them happy. And Mike Tomlin, if you were to ask him, I'm sure if you ask him like, hey, man, how do you feel about going over 500? He's going to tell you, listen, man, I'm trying to win a championship every year. So obviously that goes towards winning a championship or trying. But if that's not what's winning me a championship or if that's not getting us in the playoffs, I could care less about how many times I went over 500. Um, So it's nothing to look over because – First of all, as a minority coach in this league, for him to have set that precedent and kind of just go with the Steeler way, it just sets a tone for what's next in Pittsburgh. Like, who is going to succeed Mike Tomlin, you know? Two, to the second question, is it fair that fans are asking for his head, you know, at, at some times? No, it's not. I think fans need to have an appreciation for what he's been able to do for the organization, um, I think that two bad years doesn't define him. And I know that it's a what have you done for me lately league, but Mike Tomlin isn't outdated. Uh, you know, he's not like this old school coach who just runs the same old system. And no, I feel like what he does in Pittsburgh, he kind of keeps the guys loose. Um, they they have their their freedom of personality over there and and he's a player's coach. So where do you go next if you want to fire him? You know, there's a lot of exciting candidates that are that are up and coming right now. I think Ben Johnson might be the number one candidate that I want to see get a head coaching job this summer. Um, but if you're going to look around the landscape of the league and say, you know, you'd rather someone else coaching your team, not Mike Tomlin, this team has way bigger issues than their head coach. And it starts at the quarterback position. And, you know, drafting – could they be better? You know, the past few years, they could be a little better, but it's nothing. To, it's nothing. To, it's nothing to go too crazy over. So I, I don't think Mike Tomlin's head should be should be called for. That's pretty unnecessary. Let's stay in the AFC for right now. We'll move over to a dearly beloved Indianapolis Colts team that June loves. So I'll address this question first to Kev. Big game this weekend. AFC South has three teams that are nine and seven. Two of those teams are in the playoffs currently. One of those teams is just on the outside looking in and is also one of the teams in this game. The Colts play the Houston Texans this weekend. Week 18, chips all in on the table, both nine and seven. This is for all the marbles, as they say. And I want to know straight up, Kev, who do you got winning this game? Do not look at June in the camera right now. So, um, you see, it's tough because I want to say Colts just for Julian. Because <laughs> I want to see if one of our teams can at least get to the playoffs. We'll have If another one of our teams will have two out of three of us to get to the playoffs of our team. So, that's a win for me. But it just feels like the story is written for C.J. Stroud to go into Lucas Oil Stadium and go into the playoffs in his rookie year with D'Amico Ryan's first-year coach and what they're doing over there in Houston. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, And you're asking me... 
in those type of games to choose between uh, in this specific scenario, CJ Stroud and Gardner Minshew. And as much as I love Gardner Minshew, I just think we also see when he presses a little bit, he might make that back-breaking type of mistake. And um, that's how I just see kind of the game coming down to. It's a very close, low-scoring game. And, uh, you know, Colts have a chance at the end. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to come down to if Minshew can make a play or not. Colts have a chance at the end. Crazy. <laughs> Houston minus one, minus one sole little point on the road at Lucas Oil. The Colts do hold the head-to-head record right now. I want to know. Obviously, they did win at Houston earlier this year. Now, if Houston were to win, they would be in the playoffs based on one. Record obviously because they're both nine and seven, and two, they'd be tied in the conference record. But Houston would be four and two in the division, where the Colts would be three and three in the division. If Houston were to pull off this win, all right, I gotta stop. I gotta, I gotta stop you right there. What's up? What's up? I gotta stop you right there. One, I just felt like you was giving unnecessary information to the listeners. I don't want to waste their time. We're not here for that. We are here to you know, give the real in sports, right? That's what you tell us. That's what you tell us. By the way, y'all Hey, boys, the numbers are real, brother. The numbers are real. By the way, by the way, excuse me, sir. By the way, I just want to shout out All Things Sports Podcast. This is our <coughs> 45th live episode that we've done. So credit to you, credit to uh, Kev. You know, Kev's joined us on at least 10 to 15 episodes here. And uh, EP, you've been, you've been riding with me since. So, um, Back to my disappointment and why I cut you off, you know, it just sounds like a bunch of Colts 0-1 versus the Texans instead of Colts beat the Texans back in September 31-20. to um, Anthony Richardson, by the way, <laughs> who's not going to be playing in this game, did score two touchdowns in the first quarter alone. I just want to point that out. Who, when we get to the superlatives, would have been Offensive Rookie of the Year. Unfortunately, that's neither here nor there. Um, CJ Stroud, I get it, Kev, and I love your point because he does have that storybook vibe right now. Um, you know, what he's been able to do and his coach as far as um, being a coach of the year candidate, bringing this team to where they are with the number one and number three picks in the draft uh, at nine and seven with a chance to win and you're in. Um, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. However, however, the Texans in the last few weeks have struggled, right? Clearly, they didn't have C.J. Stroud. He missed two games with a concussion. Came back, you know, st- you know, got 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 things going a little bit. Doesn't look like the C.J. Stroud of of weeks, you know, five through eight. Um, he lo- so. My thing is, my thing is the game we played against them. It's the same team. Right, it's the exact same team. Now we have Jonathan Taylor. I understand they have a little bit more experience. That being uh, a week three game, a week three matchup, or a week two matchup, I should say. I'm sorry. And Gardner Minshew, to your point, Kev, is the type of guy who can make that back breaking mistake, but he also can make that game changing play. 
So you don't know which one you're going to get. I'm obviously going to be a little more optimistic about it than you are. And I'm not saying you're being negative about it. We pass the ball to score and we run the ball to win. And that's going to be the formula that beats Houston and puts us at second place. Matter of fact, yeah, it'll put us at second place. I wanted to say first place. I think Jacksonville goes in and gets a dub uh, if Trevor Lawrence can go through the week of practice and, and play on Sunday. Saturday night, all in all, is going to be a great game. The atmosphere is going to be there. We've got the home, you know, we've got the home crowd in front of us. It's uh, it's it's hate week right now. Texans have never owned the Colts, right? We haven't had a quarterback in years, and T.Y. Hilton was able to, you know, still own property in Houston over there at NRG Stadium. Um, the legend continues, bro, and it doesn't stop now. I understand C.J. Stroud has this, this beautiful season to him, Rookie of the Year candidate, threw for 384 yards the last time he played us. But guess what? Our pass rush has disrupted him the first time. Our pass rush will disrupt him again. And uh, and y'all will see. Obviously, I'm here popping shit. You know, I don't have so much analytic. I'm, I'm man, man. It's playoff. It's playoff football, bro. And and the the energy and attitude we came out with on Saturday versus the Steelers two weeks ago, I believe it's going to be very similar. Um, and the Steelers fans traveled very well, I must say. Shout out to the Steelers fans. The Texans fans don't travel as well as the Steelers fans do. And so that's going to be a true, true home game where they are going to feel a lot of pressure. And this will be a big, big, big time moment for C.J. Stroud early in his career where we're going to test him and we're going to get to see what he's about when the lights shine brightest. Colts win. <laughs> Colts win. I love it. Hey, man, I hope so. I really do. I really do. I think that uh, NFL is a lot. Is, is, it's good for the NFL when the Colts are in the playoffs. I will say that. I will say that. <laughs> we'll take it over to the NFC real quick before we move on to superlatives. Kev, are we buying or selling Seattle punching their ticket into the playoffs this week? Uh, Seattle is playing who? Why can't that? Oh, Cardinals. The Cardinals. Okay. Yeah, Seattle um, is two and a half point favorites on the road in Arizona. And they need Green Bay to lose, correct? Yep. Yeah, because if Green Bay wins, Green Bay's in. And Green Bay plays Chicago. So, that's tough. Because the Cardinals just came out, and Kyler Murray's playing like he doesn't want Arizona to trade him this offseason. Uh, and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep in mind, that was Philly, and Philly's 1-4 since they started 10-1, and one, so, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, hey, if you're going to lose, lose now. Right, get it out of the way. Um, but something about Chicago is, like, happening there that I really like with Justin Fields. Um, and I've never really been on that uh, bandwagon, but he's starting to look better and better um, week after week. So if he can keep that going, uh, he might open the door for Seattle. Uh, that's tough. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they get in. Um, yeah, I don't think they get in. I think Green Bay still is able to pull off a win, but. Um, 
Yeah. I think if Gino were healthy, but uh, yeah, you know. June, what are you saying about it? Seattle's in, Seattle's out. Geno Smith, uh, Brad. No, I, I think I think player of the week, Jordan Love goes, you know, goes crazy against Chicago this week and and gets the win for them. I do think Seattle wins the game against Arizona, um, but. Green Bay, I think Green Bay knows that their eye is on the prize. And, and you know, if the Bears are what's stopping Green Bay, you better put everything you got into this game because Aaron Rodgers would not be proud with the loss here. And I must <laughs> say, Aaron Rodgers did take a loss to the Lions, to the Lions in Week 18 last year on Sunday Night Football to miss the playoffs in his last game at Lambeau Field. The Lions and the Bears are two totally different teams. Um, and I think that Packers Bears rivalry just runs a little deeper. So this one means just a bit more. And this is Jordan Love, much like CJ Stroud is getting his time to shine against a divisional opponent to, you know, win and in in the playoffs. Jordan Love has a chance to, uh, you know, prove himself in front of. Are, are they at home? Can, can yeah, they confirm are. That? Yeah, in front of you know his fans. And what a storybook for Jordan Love to be able to, you know, win and in in front of his crowd the year after they lose and out with Aaron Rodgers in his last game. So that'll, that'll be a really good moment uh, at 425. It's going to be a good game there in Green Bay. It'll probably be cold as hell. It might snow. And the Packers do it. Back to uh, the point you made about Kyler Murray playing like he doesn't want to get traded. Uh, Coach Jonathan Gannon did come out and confirm that he is going to be their quarterback. He is their franchise quarterback. So, you know, it, there's still going to be questions about Kyler's future. Obviously, people say things all the time and things change. But as of right now, it does seem like the Cardinals are going to stick with their guns. If I was Jonathan Gannon, I would as well. You know, Kyler Murray started this season uh, injured and, and you know, barely played. So um, I would like at least one full season with my franchise quarterback to see if that's what I wanted or not continuing forward. Green Bay wins. Seattle wins. Unfortunately, Seattle didn't do enough in their end to uh, put themselves in the position to win it in this week, and, and their season ends on Sunday. Can I just say, though, uh, since we were on Seattle really quick, um, I told you about the Rams. Before I was the just started. about to segue into that. What's up, Kev? Talk about it. I'm. That's all I had to say. I, just, I told you the Rams would be back. Yeah, the Rams clinch wild card. They, if you know, everything goes according to schedule, which I think, which I do think will. I do think that the Detroit Lions will beat the Vikings this week. I do think that Dallas will probably wash Washington this week. So I think that the NFC, the top of the NFC is set. Detroit playing a team like LA in the first round is going to be very interesting because I mean, this LA team has most of these losses that I'm looking at right now with the, with the exception of the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. So three out of their seven losses or four out of their seven losses are all by one possession. And I mean, this week we saw Detroit in a close game and I don't want to call it a meltdown because it was a great call, I will say. But what transpired, if we don't have to get into the, the nooks and crannies of that, but what transpired and the, the decision-making was a little alarming. Um, 
this Rams team, I think, could pull off an upset. What do you think about that, June? I know we spoke about it, I think, a pot or two ago, but this Rams team in the playoffs seems to be a little bit of a dark horse. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, well-coached, have a quarterback, solid players on defense. It works. That's It works. It's not It's not magic, right? This Cup. is a – yeah, and Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua too, right? Yeah. Arguably offensive rookie of the year. Um, he he put up you know great numbers this season. We'll get to superlatives, but this Rams team, man, what what gets me is that you know they beat the Saints, they beat the Commanders, they lose by one possession to the Ravens, they beat the Browns, right? Now they put up thirty six points on that defense. They beat the Cardinals, beat the Seahawks. Got blown out by the Packers and the Cowboys in back-to-back weeks. Lost to the Steelers. It's questionable. So, like, the trend on the schedule is a little weird here. And then what gets me is they should have lost that game versus the Giants. Let's be honest. Like, uh, you know, they miss a field goal to win the game. It was a, granted, 54, 55-yard field goal. Um, But the Giants put themselves in a position to beat the Rams on Sunday, and they did it gratefully for the Rams doesn't matter, right? It's about how the game finishes. It's about the outcome. It's about what your record is after. And they've put themselves in a position to where they, they've already clinched the playoffs, correct? Yeah. The Rams. Um, And they're going to go against a backup 49ers team that doesn't want to get hurt. So, you know, you, I wouldn't chalk this up as a win, but you would expect that the Rams go in there, um, trying to win that football game there. So if the Lions have to play this Rams team, man, we don't know what Los Angeles team is going to come out, really. The Lions have been more consistent uh, throughout the year. So I figure, you know, Detroit, we're going to get a good Detroit team. It's going to be a tough matchup for whoever has to play them. However, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, and Sean McVay are going to be some key factors in Wild Card week one so um i i don't think if the matchup is set at detroit and los angeles i'll give detroit the nod but i know detroit isn't isn't too pleased with you know having to play the rams absolutely absolutely let's get into superlatives as we cross the 30 minute mark right now live on youtube if you're checking us out right now we appreciate you thank you so much if you're listening on all streaming platforms thank you thank you thank you thank you we rock with you we love you your family i'm gonna run down the list june i'm gonna have you go first kev you'll go right after and i'm simply gonna give you uh, the award and you're gonna tell me your recipient june you want to start the top of the list you sent me or the bottom of the list you sent me <laughs> It's all good. Whatever you want. Top of the list. Let's go. All right. June. MVP. I'm going Lamar Jackson, man. What I think the last two weeks of this of this season has uh or the last two weeks have solidified his uh his his trophy there. What he did against that Dolphins defense speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with I'm on Lamar also for MVP. Same reason. 
49ers and, and Dolphins back to back. Kev, we need some energy, man. As we talk about the MVP of the National <laughs> Football League. I don't want to hear, yeah, I got Lamar. This is, Nigga, but this, Lamar Jackson is the MVP of this absolutely. National Football 2020 season, and we need and, to own that. All right. No, 100%. And shout out to Broward County. But I'm saying it that way because it's like, to me, that's the most clear cut award. There's not another, like, this is the most just like. Yeah, but it, the people need to know. It, it's, <laughs> it's Lamar. Coach of the year, June. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. I, I, you know what? Throw that one to Kev real quick because I want to hear his before you know I just start going on. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Coach of the uh, year, Kev. Who you got? I've got a coach who coaches a team that I put number five in the early power rankings that uh, everybody here thought I was crazy for. Are you? Uh, are you his? Are you his fan? Because he shares your name. A little bit. But uh, but I mean, come on. He had four four guys start at quarterback multiple games this year. Lost the best running back in the league, who's consistently top rushing yards every year, uh, and still found a way to be eleven and five at this point in the season. So uh, for me, it's Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski, hell of a job. Shout out to Joe Flacco. June, who you got? Coach of the year. Man, listen, it was going to be D'Amico Ryans. I give a lot of credit to what he was able to do again. I mean, this team drafted number one, uh, excuse me, number two and number three. I said one and three earlier. They drafted number two and number three, right? This team is going with a bunch of guys under 26 years old. Uh, they have a offensive rookie of the year, and they have a defensive rookie of the year candidate. And those are some of their best players on the team. Shout out to D'Amico Ryans in his first year and what he's been able to do at a nine and eight season in Houston, nine and eight coach of the year is going to finish at 10 and seven in Indianapolis, Shane Steichen, what he's able to do with this offense, right? So for the first nine weeks of football, we scored over 20 points each game. That was the highest in the league. Nobody else was able to do that. We lost Anthony Richardson in week four. We've been rolling with uh, the likes of Gardner Minshew. This guy throws for sometimes 130 yards, right? Sometimes he throws for 260. Uh, more times than not, he's going to throw for uh, sub 220. Still finding ways to put up points. We didn't have Jonathan Taylor in the locker room or in the lineup for a few weeks. We were dealing with a lot of drama in that regard, contract talk, does he want to be a part of this organization? Uh, is he going to get to play with Anthony Richardson? He's back now. Um, man, what could I say? Rookie coach comes over from a Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl losing effort and uh, finds his way to 10 wins with putting his team in a position to win their division. Coach Shane Steichen. Kevin, Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, this was my MVP a few weeks ago before the injury and before, uh, you know, a couple of lackluster, or not lackluster, but not him-like games. Uh, Tyreek Hill, for me, is the Offensive Player of the Year. June, Offensive I, Player of the Year. I, I don't, I, I'm not here to argue that. I would, I would hand him the award myself if he won, proudly. I think my offensive player of the year this year is going to be Christian McCaffrey. Um, I mean, you know, 1,500 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns with 
67 receptions and seven touchdowns over 500 yards receiving and the second best team in the NFL what he's been able to do as far as workload as far as when he's not there Kev has pointed this out many times the team is just a total different team they can't win without him type of player um what the Dolphins have done with Tyreek, and this is just me thinking out loud. If the Dolphins didn't have Tyreek Hill, is he more replaceable than Christian McCaffrey? Kev? No. You think San Francisco finds the same success they have this year or similar to without Christian McCaffrey? Well, I just asked I- you two two different questions. I get that. I do get that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a receiver in the league who's like Tyreek Hill. Except for maybe the other guy that they have on the other side of him, which is Jalen Waddle, who I think helps Tyreek. But I think if you take Tyreek away and just have Jalen as good as he is and as good as I still think they could possibly be, I don't think they're as successful as an offense. And I don't think, especially early in the season, their defense was nowhere near good enough to keep up. So fair enough. June defensive player of the year. Miles Garrett. I mean, what he's been able to do in Cleveland leading that defense. I mean, I, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let that one speak for itself. Miles Garrett, if you disagree, cool, but I'll take Miles Garrett as the number. If I, if I get an NFL draft fantasy fantasy league and I got to pick defense first, I'm taking Miles Garrett 10 times out of 10. Kev, you uh, you shook your head very agreeingly. There, it's not a word. Yep, sorry. another one, another, another one of those Cleveland Browns. Another one of Stefanski's boys. Yep, another one of them. You know, just leading the number one defense in the league, which is why I put them at number five in my power rankings uh, <laughs> early in the season. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it's, it's got to be Garrett also. Listen, I. I you saw something that I don't think – I think that 98% of the football world wasn't even trying to look at, Kev. So definitely shout out to you because without Deshaun Watson and we were just like, nah, it's, this, it's the Browns. The Browns are going to Brown. You know, that's what they're going to do. And Lord and behold, they are in the playoffs and they're being led by a young man, and I use young very sparingly, <laughs> named Joe Flacco. June, who you got – for your offensive rookie of the year. Hey, we talked about them earlier, man. Them lights, them lights gonna be shining real, real bright at 8:15 p.m. in Lucas Oil Stadium. And and CJ Stroud, man, you 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 definitely got you one right there. You got you an award. It ain't gonna be a Super Bowl, you know, it ain't gonna be anything else, but you got you a nice shiny offensive rookie of the year as the number two pick overall coming into the league. I think he just exceeded expectations all across the board as far as what he was going to do this season specifically, and if he was even going to ever play this good. Because a lot of people, we had, you know, every year we got guys talking out the draft, but guys were talking about how C.J. Stroud's IQ level wasn't as high for a quarterback, and he shouldn't this, that, and the third. I mean, the numbers speak for itself. So shout out to C.J. Stroud for the season he had. Kev, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it's another one that I feel like uh, it's pretty obvious. Uh, well, okay, 
Puka Nakua is about to break the rookie record for receiving yards. So shout out to Puka because he's it's not that cut and dry uh, as as MVP is, but uh, I think you got to go CJ Stroud. If it's that close, I think people are going to tend to win quarterback over a receiver. Defensive rookie of the year, fellas. June, who you got? Uh, Jalen Carter, Eagles defensive tackle, first round pick. A lot of teams pick. Listen. I feel how you want to feel about the situation, you know, Jalen Carter was in over the past year uh, before the draft and everything, you know, very unfortunate situation that night. Um, Teams didn't want to take a chance on a clear, clear top five player in this draft. And the Eagles are that team, you know, the Eagles are willing to, you know, see what it's about. And so, you know, him coming in, he's got like seven tackles for loss, six sacks, two forced fumbles, fumble recovery. I just think he's uh, he's clogging it up down there in Philly. And, um, you know, the, he's he's definitely a bright spot in Philadelphia for, you know, they like you said, EP, they're a 10-win team. But what are they, one and four <laughs> in the last five? So... Who you got, Kev? Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'm also on uh, the Jalen Carter train. Uh, I was actually hoping that he would fall to the Jets in the draft uh, before Philadelphia got him because I would have loved to have him there. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's been he's been a big part of what they can do on defense and a big part of why they won games uh, this season. So shout out to Will Anderson's having a really good year as well, though on the defensive side. We got a couple good rookies on both on both sides that I think deserve recognition, but obviously only one can win the award. And then Kev, comeback player of the year. Uh shout out to DeMar Hamlin, you know? Uh obviously what happened last year to even have like the want to get back on the football field uh is something I think that you know, deserves uh, something. But uh, see, saying all that makes me feel terrible giving it to anybody else. Um, but Joe Flacco, man. But let's go. Joe one Flacco of the off boys. the couch. Flacco off the couch. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Flacco off the couch is crazy. Hey. I'm, you know, so you you kind of just widen my perspective on the comeback player of the year thing. You know, Demar Hamlin is probably going to win the award, right? That's just TV. Um, that's how the NFL works as a business. But I don't want to downplay the point you made where you said for him to even want to come back on the field, you you got to give, like you said, that's worth something. And so he definitely deserves the recognition. He should be a top nominee there. Unfortunately, or whether it's fortunate or not, I could care less. He's not good enough to me, you know, or to the Bills for that matter. He doesn't play. Um, he racked up more inactives than games played for Joe Flacco. So I'm also going Joe Flacco, one of Kev Stefanski's boys, coming off the couch five games only and he's thrown for 1600 yards and 13 touchdowns that's more touchdowns than 
the Panthers have as a whole passing touchdowns. Uh, that's more passing touchdowns than the Jets have thrown all season. Fucking around with Trevor Simeon and, and Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers for four minutes. And Tim Boyle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's insane that it's 2023, 10 years removed from that Ravens Super Bowl run. That was the 2012-2013 season. I get it. So we're like it twice, it 10 twice. and a half, 11 years. But Joe Flacco is the quarterback leading this Cleveland Brown team in the playoffs, and they might go to M&T Bank Stadium and play the Ravens for a chance to move on uh, to the AF- NFC ch- AFC Championship game. And I don't know if you uh, watched the Jets and Browns game uh, on Thursday I night. did not. So when Cleveland won that game at the end, the crowd was chanting Flacco. And uh, after the game, C.J. Mosley, who obviously was a teammate of Flacco's in Baltimore, met with C.J. Uh, met with Flacco at, at midfield and shook hands and they were talking. And uh, C.J. Mosley said, who would ever thought uh, the crowd in Cleveland would be chanting your name? Because Cause he's, he's, a a raven. he's a raven. Man is a raven. He's a f- he's a brown now. All right. Um, I like I like that clip of him touching Quinn Quentin Williams in the head, and he's like, "Fuck you doing? Don't touch my head. What's wrong with you?" Um, <laughs> speaking of hair and and heads, uh, shout out to Ray. Ray pulled up in the chat. We appreciate him. He was confused when he jumped on the chat today because he thought we had a special guest. He thought Ben Wallace was <laughs> here with us. On the All Things Sports Podcast, listen, Ray, it's not Ben Wallace. That's EP, three up, three down. But one day, just for you, I will make it my goal to get Ben Wallace on the All Things Sports Podcast. All right? And guess what? Look, I got this sticker here. That's from the Malice at the Palace. I got a Ben Wallace jersey on right there, if you see what I'm talking about, right? So... We'll, we'll show him that as well that day, whenever that day does come. This is EP, though. He is, you know, our host of the show here. And uh, and uh, he is not, you know, the Detroit Pistons uh, leading shot blocker in franchise history. I got a non-superlative superlative. And I want to know which one of the teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs, this playoffs, do you expect to see in the playoffs next year? June. Yeah, well, easy answer, Cincinnati Bengals. Bring Joe Burrow the fuck back into the playoffs, all right? And Joe Burrow is going to remind you guys who not to mess with in the AFC, all right, as far as quarterbacks go. I understand we got Patrick Mahomes, right? C.J. Stroud trying to make a name for himself. Anthony Richardson will be there trying to get his Chet Holmgren Rookie of the Year award. But Joe, Joe Shiesty, right? Get back healthy. We miss you. I miss watching them ball out. Jamar Chase misses you, and I do believe we'll see these Bengals uh, with with much respect to Jake Browning because he he did a hell of a job. But Joe Burrow is the man in that town, and uh, I see the Bengals coming back and making the playoffs 2024-25. Jamar Chase, man, get the fuck out of here. Yo, Kev, which team yeah. that didn't make the playoffs this year do you got making them next year? You know, you named a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC. You named uh, Anthony Richardson. You named uh, Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes. But you forgot one. Aaron Rodgers coming back. And the New York Jets. Oh, oh, back in the playoffs. Right. 
<laughs> you changed the light. That was good, Kevin. This is why this is this is why you're here, man. This is why you're here. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I set that one up and I, I if you people asked a question in the last second, I was like, June, go first. Because I knew that this guy was gonna I go there. I didn't I, I didn't think it. about the Jets right there. I'm not gonna lie. Just for shits and giggles, Kev, do we have one more team that that we can see making the playoffs that didn't make the playoffs this year? I'll say this. I'm gonna go. It's a long shot, and and this is only going to be done if they get it right this offseason. The Los Angeles Chargers can find oh. their coach of the future and turn it around, and Justin Herbert will finally start performing as we expect him to. That team has playoff talent. That team has playoff salary cap. They need to be in the playoffs, and we need to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs. I do have another one, and when you said offseason, I thought you were going to say draft because this is what matters to me for this team, uh, and I mentioned them before. Uh, I think the Chicago Bears not only have a chance to win, make the playoffs next year, but win their division. Mm, energy. Yeah, and, and just to kind of piggyback on that point, bro, like they have a – a huge opportunity right in front of them to do what they did last year in trading back from that number one pick. We know that Justin Fields is capable. I'm not saying he is the guy. He is capable. And wide receiver one, he said he wants him. And that's the most important thing you could hear as a coach and as a GM, that the, the best wide receiver on your team who produced and had career numbers this year wants JF1 to be the quarterback next year. I understand Ryan Poles is looking at DJ Moore like, my boy, you could get gone up out of here the same way the Panthers traded Joe as, all right? And we could fucking draft Marvin Harrison if we really want to. So calm down, right? They can either go get Caleb and Marvin, right? They can, they can trade back and get four picks, you know? They got a lot that they can do here this offseason. And, man, the playoffs, let's let the playoffs go. This is going to be a, a fun playoff time because I don't know that there's, you know, outside of uh, San Francisco and Baltimore, I feel like a lot of these teams are beatable. Um, with San Francisco and Baltimore being involved in those beatable categories, the playoffs is going to be fun, but this offseason, man, is, it's, it's going to be real fun. So shout out to the NFL. Shout out to the New York City <laughs> ambulance in the background. I love the feng shui, as they say. Uh, before we move on to the NBA, I, got the, I know I got the NBA ticker up at the top right now. Before we move on to the NBA and this week in the NBA, I want to pivot back to the Chargers. I love that prediction because you know me, June. I've always wanted to see the Chargers, you know, stay atop of the AFC West and battle with Kansas City. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Denver swept well, beat the Chargers and then, you know, would probably sweep them. And they ended up sweeping them last week, right? Crazy, bold, don't know what you want to call it, prediction. Sean Payton buys out his contract, gets the fuck out of Denver, and heads over to L.A. where he's always wanted to be and coaches the young man by the name of Justin Herbert who he's always wanted to coach. That's how I feel about it. That is their way and their key to get into the playoffs in the 2023, 20 or 2024-2025 season. That's how I they're feel at, about it. I, I actually think they're going to get uh, the guy that Sean Payton believes he is. 
uh, and that's Bill Belichick. But <laughs> and we dropping bombs, yo. Hold on, oh it's the first episode. It's the first week. episode of the year. Let's get it. Let's get it. Oh man, I love it. Let's move on. We'll move over to the NBA. Right now, currently, the Pistons are in an overtime game against the Jazz, and they're down by five, surprisingly. But they're in an overtime game at home. I mean, on the road against the Jazz. The Jazz are 10-5 and five on the season at home. So it looks like the Pistons are looking to turn the tide. The Heat right now, three minutes left in the third quarter at the Crypto.com Arena, up by seven against the Lakers. Nate said it in the group chat. Braun needs to get out of L.A., I don't know how accurate that is because Bronny's still at USC. So (laughs) (laughs) Bron not going nowhere. Bron not going nowhere. This week has been very interesting in the NBA. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton going off once again. It just just seems like an everyday occurrence. We were talking before the pod. The Wizards getting 40 on the road by the Cavs is fucking nuts. June, do the Pacers? I'll go back to that. Do the Pacers have the Bucks number, or Pacers is- have the Bucks number? Ep and and I I I was gonna wait for tonight's game to kind of give that judgment, but at this point, I, I'm not sure if the Bucks are able to keep up with them. I don't know if they're just a little too slow on that on that end. But man, I mean, they, they they're not just beating them; they're they're handing them you know handing them wins like 142. On Milwaukee to put up 142 points in the NBA is is a lot. Like let's not. I know it's 2024. I know that you know this is an offensive league, but the Pacers had a 47 point third quarter, completely unacceptable. We're almost at the halfway point of the season. Milwaukee's sitting at 24 and 10. So this is nothing to like fret over and like to think, you know, oh my God, what's going on? We got to fire our coach. Nothing like that. But when you just look at, you know, the landscape of things, Milwaukee's sitting at second in the East. They're having a great season, right? Um, They're 16 and three at home. The Pacers right now, top 16 playoff team at sixth 19 and 14 what is it what is it it's the pace they play with and i feel like a lot of teams were able to figure out indiana's kind of scheme and how to beat them after the lakers put them on blast at the end of the in-season tournament but milwaukee doesn't watch that film apparently they don't get back fast enough and they're letting these guys blow by them. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, as far as his night went, you know, we got to spotlight the stars. He shot 8 of 13, 11 rebounds, 26 points, 8 assists. That's a good night, man. That's 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 a winning night. Dame Lillard, 23 points. Middleton, 19 points. Brooke Lopez, 16 points. You know, they had 12 points off the bench uh, from Buchamp, whatever, how you say his name. But Halliburton going for back-to-back 20-point, 20-rebound games, and then coming out, shooting 50%, 31 points, 12 assists. I mean, they had five, six, seven guys in double figures, and uh, that'll do it, bro. That'll do it. When you guys are shooting 40% from three, yeah, yeah. 
That'll that'll beat a team in, in Milwaukee right there. But they were at home, so that helped. Yeah, they just beat them on New Year's Day, too, in Milwaukee. So this is back-to-back wins for them against Milwaukee. And, uh, I mean, the biggest reason, obviously, is Tyrese Halliburton, who is the only person I've ever seen make an ugly shot look pretty. Uh, he had 31 and 12, I think Junior just said, but the most important stat to me, and he does it on a not a nightly basis, which with his usage would be impossible or damn near impossible, but zero turnovers. And he he consistently is putting up double-digit assists, zero turnovers, whether it's 15 assists, whether it's 20 assists, he's putting those numbers up with zero turnovers and not giving away possessions for his team and not giving the other team extra possessions. And uh, to your point, their perimeter defenders can't defend. Dame, Malik Beasley, Chris Middleton has lost a step. Uh, those three guys can't really defend, and then you're relying on Giannis and Brooke Lopez, and when their bench unit comes in, it's Bobby Portis. So, I mean, you're not really, uh, you know, you're not intimidating anybody on defense. There's, you don't have that guy that's, like, real intimidating other than Giannis, and you can easily stay away from that matchup. So, um, yeah, the, the Bucks. I think, in order to win and advance in the playoffs, they need more help on the defensive end. They need somebody who's really going to get after it and, you know, be that guy. Yeah, that's a great point. And the Pacers are five and three in the last eight versus Milwaukee. So um, talk about having their number, man. And and I love that point you make because it's deeper than, you know, Indiana. The Indiana is not going to be there when all the chips are are in the middle of the table and call it hate, call it whatever you want. I don't see Milwaukee, or excuse me, Indiana as a true, true championship contender. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that, but they are exposing Milwaukee and their blemishes. And you pointed out a good point that this Milwaukee team in the past had great perimeter defense, right? And they were able to, Brooke Lopez was a bit younger, right? And as they had Middleton. to paint. Yeah, they had to paint. Yeah, also Middleton. They had to paint on lock. But, I mean, you got Dame Lillard and Middleton. Those aren't your best perimeter defenders out there. And you had Drew. That's what you're used to having. And, you know, it goes to show you what a defense, what one guy can do on defense, which is we talk. I know me and June as being Heat fans, it's something they get talked a lot where people want to trade Bam. And it's like, you don't realize the impact that he has on that side of yeah. the ball, whether he's not putting up steals or blocks, but the way that Miami can switch and run a whole defensive scheme based off of him, I think it's similar. He's a similar guy like Drew, where you can run your defensive scheme through Drew, and now you can't really do that with Dame out on the on the point. You're more leaning offense. Now you got to outscore teams rather than, you know, beat them with grittiness and toughness. The Pelicans, gentlemen, Went into Minnesota today, as I like to say, as six and a half point underdogs and win the game by 11 points. June, are the Pelicans for real? They handed Minnesota their second home loss of the season, just their second home loss of the season, or was just just a one off situation? I think the Pelicans are um, for real is a stretch. A little bit for me, you know, when we talk about playoff contenders, yes, they are a real playoff contender. I think they can win a first round matchup 
uh, if they're healthy. Zion's averaging 22, 6, and 4 on 58% shooting. He had 27 points tonight on 11 to 15 shooting. So that's big. And uh, they won that game despite a 35-point effort uh, on a 50% night from Anthony Edwards. So, yes, I do think the Pelicans are for real. But I'm interested to see now going into the, I guess, half point, halfway point of the season. Um, so this this stretch from early January to the All-Star break. Are the Timberwolves going to sustain this, right? Like, because they have the talent, clearly, right? They've got a great defensive team. They know how to put up points. They have, you know, one of the young guns of the league, but you know, I we're gonna find out a lot about them here in the, in this stretch. What do you um, think, Kev? What do you think? I think as far as like New Orleans being for real, I agree with June. It's like I don't know if they're championship level team right now. Um, obviously, they have this whole trade up to the trade deadline and the buyout market to you know add a add a guy or two maybe that can help them get there. Uh, but I love CJ McCollum and what he does for that team, how he can settle them down. He's been in big spots. He's been in big games. Um, and then you got Brandon Ingram also on the wing. Herb Jones, great defender, great 3 and D, uh, probably one of the better 3 and D players in the league. Uh, but as far as Minnesota, like, I mean, I feel like Ant's reached a level where you exp- you know what you're going to get from Ant every night. They need more from, they need more than five points and five rebounds from Gobert. Like, you're not winning. You're getting swept out the playoffs if you're getting that type of production from him. So, uh, right. yeah. I, and, and you get to a point where, like, Nas Reed has been really, really good this year. And, like, if Gobert's going to keep giving you games like that, it's like maybe bring Gobert off the bench and start Nas Reed because lo- I love what, what Nas Reed has brought to the, the Timberwolves off the bench this year so far. I want to say, well... Oh yeah, I still think it's weird that the Timberwolves are in the Western Conference. It's it's not a, a west it's not a Western city, but I guess I, I, listen, they're not an Eastern <laughs> team either. I'll, I'll say that. I think it's more weird that Memphis is a Western team or New Orleans is a Western team. That's more fair. More so than yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota. Also, one one more thing on Minnesota, like they they seem to have started going down. Kev, Kev, it's Minnesota. Minnes, Minnesota. Um, Yo, that was perfect. <laughs> no, yeah, I watched that uh one that one documentary on Netflix that's from Minnesota. Minnesota so I, I really, I watched Fargo to- and I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but like Minnesota, Minnesota is already like on a downward trend. Like they they almost lo- lose that game to LA if LeBron's toe is like not, you know, the KD right. thing, uh, and then lose to the Knicks and then lose to the Pelicans at home. So, uh. They're already starting to trend downwards, so let's see if you know they can right the turbulence a little. They also they also lost to the Thunder one twenty nine one oh six the day after Christmas. Um, I real quick, you know, I love that Thunder team. By the way, shout out to Nate in the in the chat as well. I, I love that Thunder team. I'm interested. By the way, we got a game break right here. Can I can I just game break right here? Because 131, 122, 
behind Paul George's 33 points, put the Clippers up ahead and beat the Suns. All right, that was my and next segue. That Clippers team, EP, you know what? I just one last point on 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 the Timberwolves is that we're hearing a lot of reports on Carl Anthony Towns to the Knicks. Knicks, Carl Anthony Towns. You guys are 20, not 20, whatever, and nine, right? You guys lost three games at home. I don't know why you're trying to trade anybody at this point. That's all I gotta say on that front. Who are you getting from the Knicks that would even I, make sense? I don't know. Hey, do it. I hope they do it because then Anthony Edwards has more reason to request a trade to Miami. Let's go. go. There it is. Hey, I want to piggyback to that uh, LA Clippers, Phoenix Suns. The smoke between Paul George and Devin Booker continues. Katie out with some type of, I don't even know at this point. (laughs) He's just out. He don't want to play is what I'm going to say at this point. And I mean, it's the Clippers and June, you, you, you stood on the hill that I, you know, I walked down once I was at the top of, and I was like, I don't know, this looks bad. They're not going to get it figured out. And surely maybe a little slowly, but steadily they figured it out. And Paul George, like you just said, I mean, he, if I'm not, what is it? 33 points plus minus plus 12, eight for 14 from the field, five for 10 from 50% from three. I didn't even see that. So just now 50% from three. And I mean, D book did his thing, man. 11 for 15 from the field, five from eight from three, eight from nine from the line. The only thing is, is that all five of your starters, if you're Phoenix cannot be in the minus as far as plus minus. I don't care how many points you're scoring, how many assists you got. That is losing formula right there. But this little rivalry that's brewing between the Clippers and the Suns, um, and I want to say specifically between D-Book and Paul George, is very intriguing. It's going to be very interesting to watch coming down towards the end of the season because we all know what the Suns typically like to do. Well, honestly, what the Suns and the Clippers typically like to do when, when all the chips are in, when everything matters, it's going to see who is going to want it more and who's not going to make the mistakes that will leave you in Cancun, as a little famous broadcaster likes to say. June, you got any thoughts on the rivalry? Yeah, real quick. Um, So, yes, I did stand on that hill. I'm still standing on it. I still do think the Clippers are one of the best teams in the league, not just the West. They're sitting at 21 and 12. And the thing about this Clippers team is that, I mean, look at tonight. You know, you play the Suns and you get 30 from Kawhi, 33 from Paul, and 22 and 11 from James. I mean, that's a winning formula right there. You tell me you're getting, uh, you know, 80 points from your big three. Ain't no way. Obviously, Kevin Durant missing this game is a big key right here. But that's what happens when you play a team like Phoenix. You're not sure if it's going to be Bradley Beal or KD taking the night off. Bradley Beal comes back and shoots seven for 20 from the field, 0 of six from three. You know, that (laughs) that's got to be just super demoralizing if you're a Phoenix Sun because you're watching one of your best players just struggle. First of all, he played 41 minutes. He led the he led all players in minutes and uh and only oh, had 21 him. points there what's that he's in out next game yeah so um you know i i just want to i just want to really highlight what this clippers team is able to do it's not even for me about 
the rivalry, quote unquote, between the Suns and the Clippers or the Paul George and the Devin Booker. It's more so about put up, shut up and play basketball, man, because a lot of teams or people around the league doubted this Clippers team. And guess what? We talked about two great teams in the West so far, and that's Minnesota and OKC. We haven't talked about Denver, who I do believe after this stretch from January to the All-Star break is going to be atop the West, Denver. Um, I think the Clippers will follow suit, and we're going to see this one, two, three, four, which sits at Minnesota, OKC, Denver, LAC, and it'll switch to Denver, LAC, and then maybe like OKC, Minnesota, New Orleans can fit in that top four so like my whole thing is it's a complete team over there and somebody's got to figure them out because if not they will beat your favorite team and we might see them in the western conference finals um and if at that point i'm i'm talking shit right now but if at that point where we get to late april early may or whatever early may mid-may we might be talking about the Clippers as one of the last teams standing in the league. Devin Booker, focus on winning basketball games. You know, focus on just staying healthy, getting your guys back, you know, getting things in order in Phoenix and, and you know, finding some chemistry before you focus on, you know, beefing with anybody or, or having any issues with anybody. I want to say this, though. I, about Devin Booker, I love Devin Booker. Like, coming out of Kentucky – I always felt that Devin Booker was like, you know, underrated. He had that underdog mentality because he was like a young guy, smaller guy, um, fair skinned. And and people kind of just looked at him like, you know, <laughs> is, he, is he a hooper? Is he a hooper for real? Like, nah, Devin Booker's a killer. And then when he hit that game winning shot in the bubble, I feel like that's what really started this whole thing. Uh, when he hit that game, when he hit that game winner against the Clippers, in the bubble and there's that meme where he's just like laying down and he hit that on Kawhi and Paul George that kind of sparked this whole thing but um I feel like Devin Booker kind of lets things get into his head a lot and sometimes you see him play with that frustration I just this this is speculation you know I'm not in the mind of Devin Booker and I'm not saying that this is exactly what he does and what goes on but this is what I see from an outsider's perspective I just hope that he can you know if that was the case maintain a level of calm in his head so that you know he, he's just out there for ball but I really want to see the Suns team just stay healthy man and, and play uh, their quote-unquote big three you know 75 percent of the time for the rest of the year hey June we're not doubling open gym all right bro he's working our game all right. Hey, as we cross the hour 10 mark of tonight's pod, we're going to wrap it up with EP's EPL corner real quick. I just have a quick shout out so we can wrap it up. And that is to the Aston Villa villains. I love how soccer doesn't really think too much about what their mascot is going to be. <laughs> but I digress. It's like the West Ham Hammers. I don't want But, you know, anyway, Aston Villa, listen, this is a team that finished seven in the EPL last year and was granted a position in the Europa Cup, which is like the Champions League, but just under, it's for teams that finish like, you know, top middle of their, or the middle of the top of their of their leagues. The year before last year, Aston Villa finished 14th. They then finished seventh last year. This year, they are 
the second best team in the league behind Aston Villa. They've beat Arsenal. They've beat Man City this year. They've dropped some questionable games, but when it's mattered, they've won. All while maintaining their status in the Europa Cup, which is extremely hard to focus on your league and then focus on a cup and then be able to succeed in both. We typically do not see this. Shout out to Aston Villa. That's my EP's EPL corner for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I'm your co-host. If you tuned in, we appreciate you because you could have been anywhere in the world on this beautiful Wednesday evening, but you were here sitting with us. I was joined this evening by Big Kev and the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Heat and Five himself. See you soon, June. Call him everything but late for dinner. We'll see you guys in a couple of days. We're not sure when. Only thing I do know for sure is that I got to go pack because I'm on the first road trip back down to Broward County this weekend. We'll see you guys next week, Monday. Appreciate you guys. Peace Broward County, and love. Home, of, home of the MVP. Ha, ha, ha.